welcome to Peaceful Ease. We all have the necessary strength and wisdom to solve most of our problems. What we often lack is a quiet space to think clearly and calmly. This podcast is all about tapping into that zone of inner wisdom. My name is Mario Pereca, and I'd like to invite you to join myself and Ela Crane every Monday and Friday. We'll be here to guide you to that endless power and insight within until you learn how to get there and function from there by yourself. This is a journey about being authentic, learning how to trust your instincts, realizing that each and every one of us are not just enough, but also perfect the way we are right now. Hey everyone, Mario Pereca here, and I am joined by Ela Crane, and we'd like to welcome you to the Peaceful Ease podcast. You can connect with us, ask questions, share your thoughts, your insight, ideas on the Peaceful Ease hotline, 424-625-5562 is that number. Again, 424-625-5562. And you can also email us, podcast at peacefulease.com is the email address, and you can find us on the web, peacefulease.com is where you can do that. Ela, how are you today? Good, it's evening here again, the time difference. The time difference. When we first met, you were in LA, so you were just on the opposite coast. So we were pretty close time-wise. I say pretty close, even though it feels like a lot, three hours. And then you are now, you're still in Switzerland, correct? Yeah. And so it's doubled. We doubled our time differential. Yeah. And I'm going to Berlin soon, and then I'm going to be spending like two and a half months in Mallorca. So if we have any listeners from Mallorca or listeners who've been to Mallorca who know Mallorca, I'm up for tips or if you want to have a coffee do let me know please maybe i'll hop on a jet head over to <laughs> yeah that would be nice so we can have a face-to-face recording once <laughs> i'm sure the food there is incredible yeah i mean mediterranean food is just delicious yeah it's the best so exciting stuff with all the travels and one of the things that we want to talk about on today's show is this really thought-provoking quote that you brought up you know, I've been thinking about it now since you brought it up, and it really has hit home for me. So I'm going to read the quote, and then I'd love to hear your take on it, and then I'll share a couple of my ideas around it, and we can go deeper with that. But the quote that you mentioned is that history is always present in the moment. Mm-hmm. Where does the quote originate from? So it's by an Argentinian psychotherapist, Salvador Minuchin, I guess the surname, and I encountered it in a book that I'm reading right now. It's called the Circle of Security Intervention. And it's a life-changing book, <laughs> literally, perhaps, because it's more like about raising children. And mind you, we don't have children yet, but, you know, thanks to IFS, Internal Family Systems Therapy, that I've been reading about, I discovered quite a few children within. So I started to read this book about how to raise them correctly. <laughs> so you're raising your own internal children. Yes, yes, right now. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. History is always present in the moment. I think it's really profound because when you think about it, if you look at your life or the results other people, the version that you're living and the version that other people are living of themselves, I mean, it's not just something that happened. It's something that evolved, right? It's something that through you know your emotional health, which we talk about a lot, your beliefs, your values, your rules, your experiences – You've evolved to that point. And so the way that you show up is a byproduct of your history. 
So hearing that history is always present in the moment, I mean, if you look at, as you said, as you talk about a lot, patterns, behaviors, things that people do, it's not just something that they do in the moment, most light for the most part, it's something that has been conditioned or that's built up over time to lead to that point. And I love this quote because it really summarizes my work. You know, when I work with people, I don't ask them about their childhood. I don't have to. If they like to mention it, they're welcome. But things really are there today. You can see the patterns from their childhood in their behavior today, and especially in intimate relationships. So when people explain how they struggle in their intimate relationships, you can really, it's like watching their history repeat. Because also according to this book, it's how we function in a way, unless we are lucky enough to have parents who could offer us a safe attachment. We are seeking a sense of safety. We keep seeking a sense of safety throughout our lives, apparently. Do you see this in your own life? Yeah, actually, I think that's why also I was drawn to read this book. Because like I said, I discovered a few younger versions of me still in there. And they are stuck in that younger, youthful times because I think they didn't feel safe enough to grow up. And the book describes what it would be like to give them safety. So this book can be read by parents who really want to raise their children in the healthiest way. Or if you feel like you're one of those people who never feel something is enough and then you have to get more in order to be happier, I don't know, wealthier or ultimately safer or even more deeply to be loved because it explains how we can establish such a healthy cycle within and they call it a safe attachment. And you mentioned that earlier about you said if we're lucky enough to have a safe attachment with our parents, what does that look like and what can parents do to begin to foster that attachment with their kids? So the safe attachment, it's, we can describe it as it's the child's perception of the parents being trusted to help when needed. It's important here is that it's the child's perception because as parents, you may feel, of course, I'm there for my kids, but does the child feel that? And if they feel that the parents are reliable and trustable, trustworthy enough to be there when needed, then the child allows herself to be more vulnerable and to rely on the parents, which then means in the future relying on intimate relationships. And not being scared of being open. So the word vulnerability doesn't have that negative connotation. It's more like openness. And if the child is given such safety, they call it a secure base or a safe haven given by the parents, then the children grow up to respond to events with empathy and also provide such similar safety and security for their loved ones. So they become adults that can actually nurture others and have intimate relationships. And they have this beautiful circle in the book, like a drawing, 
where two hands are open and they represent, first of all, a secure base. And the child is in the secure base feeling safe and protected. But when they feel that, actually, this is the counterintuitive part. They don't stay there. They actually run away to explore. That's the nature. They are courageous enough to grow. But the exploration gets to a level where they feel anxious now being away from that secure base. And then they run back towards these two open hands, which then provide a safe haven. And that's the circle, apparently. Especially infants go through this circle hundreds of times a day, they say, which is fascinating. And as parents, our role should be, according to this book, to provide that secure base, safe haven, provide those open hands and watch the children explore Take delight in them as they go away, but be ready to kind of have them back. And it's beautiful because it really resonated with me, with my work, because that's what I talk about all the time, safe harbor, having a safe harbor within so that you can go and take risks, so that you can go and start up businesses you know, have relationships, intimate relationships, socialize, you know, travel around the world, have good friends. But then with any kind of stormy weather, you come back to the safe harbor. And that harbor is always with you. So I had the adult version of this book in my mind, but seeing it this clear was beautiful. I love the way you explain it with the open hands and, you know, being able to go out and come back as needed so that you have that both sides of it. My question is, as a parent who's trying to provide this for a child or allowing the child to feel that way, I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine there's a fine line there. There's a fine line between allowing the child to feel safe and protected and to know, but also not being too overbearing or creating entitlement or things of that nature. Is that fair to say that there's that fine line that you have to walk to give them the safety and to know that you're there, but not to be overbearing about it? Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like it's such a difficult fine line to maintain. You can even hit it, but it's hard to maintain. So it's from my understanding, it's like a seesaw. Actually, depending on your own childhood experiences, each of us have a bias towards either not letting the child explore too much because we have our own fears or not providing this safe hands, the open hands enough because we think the child is capable because maybe we were capable or we had to be capable. So it's very hard to differentiate our own childhood experiences from our experiences with our children. And the book says it's not about being a perfectionist here. Like they quote Winnicott, the psychologist who said, try to be a good enough mother who can respond to child's needs. It doesn't mean you have to be 100% accurate, but as long as the child knows that you are there, then this is good enough. And it's funny because I even see these patterns with my dog. You know, we sometimes go to the park. I know you have a puppy too, so this is an interesting angle to it I go to the park and the first thing she does generally just stands if, if the park is new looks around sitting by my feet 
And then after a minute or two, when she feels safe, she will go discovering. But if things get a bit rough, if it's a dog's park and she's tiny and there are bigger dogs, then she will come back running just to wait a few minutes more between my legs and then she will go out again. So it seems to be a kind of universal pattern. <laughs> yeah, I see that a lot with my little guy too, where he he wants to go explore and check things out and learn. he's very adventurous, but then he always has to come back because he has to make sure, like if I'll take him to the park, he'll go play with the other dogs and explore. But then if I take two steps outside of the gate and I like, well, if I have a phone call, for instance, I'll walk just across the parking lot so I can still see him and still watch, but I can have a conversation without other people listening or so it's private. And he'll come up to the gate and put his paws up and stand on his back legs just to see where I am, just to make sure I'm there. Then he'll go play. And then two minutes later, he comes back to check again. Yeah. And he keeps going back and forth or he'll play, but then he has to check and make sure you're there. Then he'll play. And, and he gets to the point where if you're ready to leave the park and he's not ready, he'll run from you if you go try to go get him to take him to put his leash back on him. But if I walk outside, then he comes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it. It's, yeah. Yeah. So that's where I see it there with him. And so I guess you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it must be a, an animalistic instinct. Yeah, it's connection, basically. And, and it's beautiful the, the way they put it in the book that, you know, when a child cries, they don't cry, he or she doesn't cry for attention. They say he or she cries for connection. And that's a beautiful way of putting it because I've been to public places where a baby is crying and crying and the parents are completely ignoring, thinking that, well, we don't want to spoil the child. And I can only guess how hard it must be to raise a child. But still, if you think about it, instead of that child is crying attention, maybe the child is crying for connection, maybe just a hug. That changes the atmosphere. And in this book also, what was so beautiful, so for the parents who are wondering, okay, how do we do this exactly? They have this very basic formula. It's a big book and I just started to read it. So I really recommend that you go and read it if this resonates with you. But the very basic formula is that you always be bigger, stronger, wiser and kind. And I was wondering, like, what does that mean? So they give this beautiful example of a father and a child going to the kindergarten. And first of all, the child is scared to leave, like as usual. There's too many kids, too many stimuli. And after a few minutes, he gathers the courage and he hops off his father's lap and looks at the father like, can I, shall I, may I? And the father smiles and nods. And then the child runs to the sandy area and looks back and the father smiles and nods. And then the child starts playing with the sand and he grabs a toy from another child and the other child like pulls the toy back and the child is shocked looks at the father the father is still smiling but the child is too scared so it runs back to the father but the father doesn't pick up the child he's just providing the open hands and the child decides whether he wants to be picked up or he wants to just like stand next to the father and after a while when he's calm, he's, the father says, next time we bring toys, okay? But for now, we can go to this lady, the other child's mother, who seemed to have a few more extra toys, and we can ask. And they go hand in hand and ask this lady, saying, can we borrow any toys from you? Because we forgot. 
And the lady says, of course, here's like a shovel and a bucket and you have it. And they play and they say, this is how you can be bigger, you know, providing physical safety, stronger, having the courage, being the role model to go up to that lady and ask, wiser, being this calm, peaceful being who comes up with a solution and kind being there for the child. And I think that's beautiful. And I know this is like an ideal example. And they also say, hey, you know, we know the world is more chaotic than this. But this is the image that we can aspire to. Just to take this a step further for the people listening who maybe don't have kids, and because you said that you're using these techniques with your inner child that you've identified. How does that translate for us to use it within ourselves? So... It's really having the same four characteristics within. So being bigger, stronger, wiser, and kind. So when there's an issue or when there's some kind of bad news, the way now I see it is like, okay, there's this part of me who's hurt because who was so open, who had the courage to be open and be vulnerable. But now that part is hurt. So how do I deal with this? Well, I can be stronger and say that part hey you know I see that you're hurt and I'm with you and it's okay that you're hurt and it's important not to say you'll be fine at this point but to acknowledge the hurt and just stay there with the hurt and with that part of you that's hurting and being wiser in a way knowing that this shall also pass you know but not push it away but just feel it, really let it through. And then being kind to yourself. Like, okay, you know, I took a risk. It was maybe an emotional risk. Maybe it was a, in business, it was some kind of risk, a leap of faith, and it didn't work. And now here it is, I'm facing it, but it's okay, you know. I'm with my decision. I wouldn't change it. I tried. I did my best. I gave it a go. I gave him a chance. I gave her a chance. Whatever the situation is, standing by yourself and still supporting yourself, being best friends to yourself rather than telling yourself off, saying, why did I do that? Great stuff as always, Ela. Thank you so much for sharing. And I want to just give you the opportunity now. Is there anything you want to leave listeners with as an exercise or something to ponder before we return? Just think about how you can be bigger, stronger, wiser, and kind, either to yourself or to your kids. And if you'd like to share those ideas or thoughts with us, you can do so via the Peaceful Ease hotline at 424-625-5562. And you can also email us, podcast at peacefulease.com, and check us out online at peacefulease.com. That is our website where you can find all things Peaceful Ease. Ela, thank you again so much, and I look forward to speaking with you again on the next show. Thank you, Mario, and... Good night or good morning, wherever you are. <laughs> it's that podcast time, right? It's all the time. It's omnipresent time, I guess. It's all times, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. So thank you, everyone, for listening. For Ela Crane, I'm Mario Pereca, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon on the very next episode of the Peaceful Ease podcast. Thank you for listening to the Peaceful Ease podcast. If this episode resonated with you, please share it with friends and family. Remember, the bigger the support, the more fun the journey becomes. If you'd like to get in touch with Ela, you can reach out to her at peacefulease.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Until next time, 
be kind to yourself.